0: Hi there, welcome to Startup Steroid. Today, I'm really excited to interview Vijay Kotrapa, who is a very good friend and uh, a fantastic angel investor that I'm really excited to learn from. Um, He is also the board member of the Thai 2020 Fund. Um, So tremendous responsibility there. And he's also the trustee for Thai Global. So again, uh, he's been around for a very long time, has tons of experience, And uh, today I'm really interested in exploring his story and learning from all of his experiences. Um, So it should be a fantastic interview. But before we get started, um, uh, a little bit of housekeeping. Uh, First, if you're an angel investor or are looking to become an investor, um, please send us an email so we can get you added to our network. We can give you the right resources you would need uh, to get started. My email address is on the screen right now. Um, it'll be again on the screen at the end of the interview and it's also in the description. So you can just click and uh, send your contact information our way so we can get you added to our system. If you're an entrepreneur and are looking to raise funding for your uh, startup, um, get in touch with us. Uh, my, uh, you can get in touch with us by going to our email, uh, sorry, going to our web uh, website uh, which is startupsteroid.com Uh, And click on the founder button and uh, fill in the form. Uh, So again, we can get you added to our platform and uh, um, start sharing your information with our investors. Um, Having said all that, let's get into the interview. Uh, Here's Vijay Kotrapa So Vijay, thank you so much for uh, coming on today and doing this interview uh, uh, for Our uh, entrepreneurial community and uh, so that other angels can learn from you. Um, I want to there are so many little things that uh, you know I I know about you but I want to get so much more color on so uh, uh, let's start with your background and sort of your entrepreneurial journey. Uh, Where do you think that entrepreneurial spirit came from and uh, how how do you think it it sort of manifested for you?
1: I have never really worked for a a large company ever, so it was pretty much uh, right after grad school, um, worked for a company for a few years, and then after that, uh, about three years, and then right after that, uh, got into um, uh, doing stuff on my own, and initially, it started more as a consulting uh, gig at uh, Hughes, which is Boeing now, Mm -hmm. and that's where I met my first uh, partner. Um, we were doing a project, uh, uh using a product, uh, for Hughes, and then, uh, we decided to, uh, start a venture based on that product. And that, uh, so that's what really launched our company. And this was a while ago. This was back in, uh, 93, uh, 94. So about 20, 30 years ago.
0: Right.
1: That's when, uh, we started, uh, uh, our uh, journey into a startup, uh, startup mode. And even before that, uh, we were doing small things on the side, like selling computers and stuff like that, assembling and uh, uh, those are the days when a 20 meg hard drive was a big deal. <laughs> it was a challenge and we would actually go and set up a computer at somebody's, like a bookkeeper's office with, uh, with two megs of RAM that was a high-end computer. <laughs> So that's what kind of led to um, uh, the startup environment. And it had to do with uh, my roommates as well. They were into the startup uh, mode. They also wanted to do something. Although we didn't start the business together, but um, uh, each of us was kind of on, uh, we we're doing different things.
0: That's and fantastic. That was
1: my first company.
0: Yeah, and it's usually that uh, entrepreneurial spirit from people around you that mm-hmm. sort of gives you more motivation, right? Yeah. Yes. <laughs> Sure. Uh, so uh, it, so this is back in the early 90s. Uh, you're already mm-hmm. into computers and IT. I, 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 uh, I'm not 100% sure, but I guess that, that was your training, right?
1: Yeah, that, my, uh, that first venture, which really was uh, the one that uh, uh, launched things for me, was that we started as a consulting company. And then uh, in about 97, 98, that's when the whole internet and uh, things was, yeah. really were really taking off. And so we shifted more to offering internet services. So developing nice. e-commerce uh, kind of solutions, uh, sort of a small e-commerce site for, um, for an electronics parts company or stuff like that. And uh, so we were doing e-commerce solutions and then that, uh, the, whole, the whole dot-com industry just took off at that time.
0: Right. And we started right.
1: helping launch uh, yeah. the dot-com divisions of large brick and mortar companies.
0: Oh, okay
1: a company like big strouds or something we would do strouds.com if there was a large real estate company we created eproperty.com and enutrition.com so these companies were uh, basically uh, offshoots of the large brick and mortar companies mm-hmm. and they had fun because they were the large brick and mortar companies but they wanted to have separate ventures uh focusing on the on the web and so we would help them launch those businesses would help write their business plan and then uh um, uh, we take a uh, significant ownership in that as well, in, in lieu of our service fee. So we nice. take a small service fee, and then we would take uh, typically about 10, 20% uh, equity in these companies. Right. And that's when our valuation also became um, very high. And we got funded uh, from a large private equity firm uh, back in 99, 2000 time at that uh, very high valuation. And they were saying, uh, and there was a large uh, PE firm, so they had about 150 large um, uh, investments in uh, retail and manufacturing. And they basically said, hey, do these uh, ventures for us. Right, you don't need right. to uh, go out. You don't need to charge any fee at all. So <laughs> that's, how, uh, that's how that's that's how how we got funded. And that was give a little uh, opportunity for us to, uh, for our three of our partners to exit a little bit.
0: Fantastic. So, so this is right before dot-com. What happened as you hit the dot-com bubble or that oh, burst they, yeah, in 2001?
1: They invested uh, in us, uh, I think late 99, early 2000. And the whole dot-com thing, uh, the bubble broke in a, in a year or two after that. Right. So uh, all of our ventures obviously became worthless. <laughs> and these were all... Uh, uh, companies that were, at one point were fifty, hundred million dollar each came to zero, and the brick and mortar companies they they were fine with it because they had their other uh, business anyway. Right. So the company valuation obviously went down significantly, and the PE firm also said uh, this is not our core focus anymore. So we actually ended up buying them back out.
0: Mm, okay. Uh, at a
1: much lower value, obviously. Right. And then. Um, uh, three of us partners, we were, continued there for another two, three years, and then three of us left, and uh, the company still is running right now with a new CEO, and uh, he actually bought the company from us. And we still have a small ownership in the company, but it's still running, still doing well. It Fantastic. came down from 200 people down to 50, and revenue, right. but um, now they're doing financially well. We never did financially well before because we weren't taking fees for our services.
0: Right. Very interesting. So you exited there uh, and and, uh, obviously you had the initial private equity investment. So that gave you a comfortable cushion to exit with. Right. Um, So what did you do after?
1: So right after that, I got into more of of the nonprofit side, uh, kind of the uh, social. uh, We were helping uh, public schools raise funds, basically. We had created a program called the America Schools Program, which was uh, creating uh, marketing programs for these public schools so oh, wow. we're trying to replicate the Olympics model where we would create a symbol across the country and the school system would license that symbol and then we would then um, uh, sell that symbol to companies so for example uh, Ford could be the official uh, um, uh, car of the America schools mm. and uh, mm-hmm. most of that money would go back to the school so we had relationships with uh, 17 of the largest school uh, states in the Country, their school districts. And we covered about 65% of all the schools in the country. The wow. challenge was more of uh, getting down from the state level to the district level to school level. Right. We even got down to the district level, but at the school level, the bureaucracy and everything just uh, killed the program. Um, right. They just uh, wouldn't, they felt that they were uh, selling out to these companies. Um, and said that, wow. and they adopted because of internal uh, bureaucracy and so we ended up creating smaller programs at the school level but not on the grand scheme of things that we were envisioning at the country level
0: wow okay mm-hmm. yeah that education space is so sort of fragmented right uh, <laughs> with every school district every town has its mm-hmm. own sort of bureaucracy that's it's hard to yeah, and
1: the, the fact was that they were doing a lot of those uh what they call selling themselves to these companies anyway. For example, you'd have a basketball court in this in the gym, and they right. would have a the scoreboard, and they'd have a name of a company up there. And that's pretty much what we were doing. Right. We we're creating, let's say, a bottled water company would be the official bottled water of uh, California schools. Right. But they felt that that was hawking uh, <laughs> uh, the schools system. <laughs>
0: <laughs> I guess it all depends on the perspective, <laughs> but uh, yeah. uh, that, that that's really funny that, you know, they, they're fine having the logo up there, but not having it. And it, and it also enough.
1: comes down to whose idea it was. Mm. See, they're putting that uh, billboard or sign on the school gym. That's the school's idea. Right. These, these were the ideas of the states and the school district. So the schools will like, hey, it's not our idea. It must be something <laughs> they're trying to push down our throat. So we're not right. going to do it. Right. That became a challenge.
0: Wow. <laughs> so how long did that last, uh, that project? I
1: did that for almost about eight or ten years. Oh, wow. Um, never did financially well
0: on that one. It
1: was more of a, it was a lot of fun. Right. And uh, we were actually adding a lot of value to schools, so the PTOs, the uh, state school boards. We were created an environmental youth program, all kinds of fun things that we were doing. It was giving some cash to the schools. So we had a recycling program for printer cartridges. Uh, So the kids would bring in cartridges, and they would get like a dollar, two dollars for each cartridge.
0: Nice. Okay. It
1: wasn't much money, but like three, four hundred dollars for a school. But they would then be able to fund their like basketball team. uh,
0: Right. Or get new uniforms. Yeah. Exactly. But uh, it
1: was also helping them understand the value of these kinds of uh, efforts, whether recycling or fashion or stuff like that.
0: Right, right, right. So after and, that,
1: uh, I got more. I got back into tech again. After that, uh, in a couple okay. of ventures.
0: So let's talk about that. Uh, what was the next step like, and uh, your uh, return to tech?
1: Yeah, I mean, tech was always my background. I mean, even when I was doing the America Schools program, tech was kind of uh, in the background all all the time. Mm-hmm. But I, uh, but tech is really the core of what that's my background. Right. And uh, so I got it. And more on the healthcare side, so I got involved in a couple of businesses uh, focusing on dental and medical industry, focusing on reputation management and um, uh, sort of marketing at the practice level for dentists. Mm. So this was a little bit before uh, some of the large companies that exist right now are in that space. So we were trying to be like the Yelps or um, the um, uh, reputation companies for these uh, dental practices.
0: Mm. Okay. And, and uh so uh, early
1: for that and then uh, so it sort of worked i mean that company grew to a certain point and at that point uh it was going to take a lot more effort and money to scale what we realized was uh, uh it was more of a retail almost like a b2c kind of play mm-hmm. and uh, mm-hmm. even though um, it's still b2b in the sense we were selling to dentists and doctors right but the the effort it was going to take to uh, adopt a lot many dentists or many doctors you just needed a, a local uh, retail um, sales staff mm-hmm. and so that became hard to scale so for example, when we started the on the medical side, we would get doctors signing up we'd have two three doctors signing up every day to our system, but we wouldn't have a critical mass of doctors in any one city so if somebody was looking for say um, uh, say a pediatrician, we might have had two people in your city. Mm. And that's not enough uh, critical uh, volume for you to decide on, hey, I want to pick the right pediatrician. Right. So once there wasn't enough uh, patient uh, interaction, the pediatricians also kind of, uh eh, this isn't working for us. Mm. So to make that work, it basically would have needed uh, feet on the street, going to each of the pediatrician's office and saturating a local geography.
0: Right. And that,
1: that basically would have taken a lot of money
0: right right and a lot long long time right uh to have to scale like that it,
1: we could have done it in one city and added value there right. but the scale again needed a significant amount of money it's like the yellow page system or the yelps it, it you do need a local staff calling on these doctors and dentists right. and again you had to actually create a market for that uh, many of these healthcare providers uh, didn't believe they needed it it's kind of the aspirin and vitamin situation it's mm-hmm. nice to have but uh, wasn't critical for their business,
0: right? Yeah. Very interesting. So then um, you got into as you're going through this process, you got into angel investing and supporting other right. entrepreneurs. So let's talk about that transition because it sounds like you're already moving in that direction. What sort right. of even when I was back when I
1: was doing the public school project or the others, uh, I I knew quite a few people who were in the software industry still, and uh, In looking at what they were doing specifically, that's kind of what motivated me to either invest in their effort or help them in some way. Hmm. So that essentially was my route to angel investing, is to looking at companies, looking at people that I liked working with and I saw value in. And I was hoping that that would materialize into some sort of a a financial return as well. So it was initially a target of, uh, this is a project that I was a customer essentially right to that yeah. uh, product or right. i find, i found that fascinating
0: fantastic so it was really supporting the business that you were patronizing yeah. and you were sort of right. you liked yeah very very it's interesting
1: like I the america schools program that uh, i mean i should have probably been an angel investor rather than uh, run the company
0: <laughs> <laughs> right right Um, Yeah, I mean, uh, a lot of, uh, especially now, uh, you know, we're both part of the Thai group together. um, And and when we look at uh, certain businesses, it's easy to see how much work it's going to take having gone through that experience, right?
1: Well, it's actually, I mean, the Thai, uh, the angel and the angel fund has been um, phenomenally useful. Because mm-hmm. it's very different from an angel, per, angel investor perspective where you, you're investing on your own versus when you're investing along with someone or with somebody else's money. Right. The, the amount of diligence that you're, you go through when you have someone else along with you or somebody else's money is significantly higher because mm-hmm. you kind of have that fiduciary responsibility yeah. versus if it was your own money, suppose you invested, say, 25000 and you lose it, you, it's your choice. I mean, you, you made that decision and you lost it. And now you feel bad, but uh, as a result, the due diligence that you go through is not that much. And uh, when, you, when you try to invest on your own. And, and as a result, you probably end up with more failures and success because it's more of an emotional investment at that point.
0: Right. That you like the
1: person or you like the business, but you haven't gone deeper to find out if it really is a good investment. Uh, right. Angel investing is one of those things where you're not going to be able to invest in hundreds of companies. You're going to invest in three or five, maybe 10 companies. And then with 10 companies to play the odds is tough. I mean, very likely all 10 will fail. Right. Uh, right. If you're lucky, maybe two will, two will work out. But if you have a group of investors like the Thai Angel Fund or you have an angel system, then it's just not yourself. You have someone else kind of working with you on it, whether it's due diligence or giving you other perspectives. I mean, so many of the projects that you know, both of us have worked on, when we hear the first pitch, we're super excited about it. Yep. Right? And then one person will say something negative and then like, oh, okay, well, maybe <laughs> that makes sense, right? right. <laughs> or, uh, or we look, dig a little deeper and we find some other uh, uh, flaws or someone's had a different perspective on why it wouldn't work. Right. and then move on to the next uh, project. I mean, it's very possible that some of the things that we uh, decided not to invest in uh, will become successful. And, but that's just, we missed out on it, but that's, you can't just put a little bit into everything. You have to make your choices.
0: Exactly. I, I think that you're, you're absolutely right in that angel funds, um, what that allows you to do is get different specialties on one project, right? So for example, your background obviously is in IT. When we work on a project together, I'm looking at it more from the financial perspective. You right. might have someone else who's looking at the go-to-market strategy. So now right. all three of us are analyzing one company from different perspectives. Mm-hmm. And you know, everything might be great, but some, one piece is missing. So their go-to-market right. strategy then, is and missing. And, the, then, and also
1: you know, what happens is most of us can kind of serve all those three roles. Mm-hmm. For example, I mean, you, could, I mean, you could understand the technology as well. I could understand the finances as well. Right. But If we're just doing it on our own, we get enamored by one little aspect of the company. And yes. we tend to ignore the others as being, oh, they'll figure it out.
0: Absolutely. And
1: uh, that's what kind of skews the decision when you're trying to do things on your own. And when right. you do it as a group, you get that additional perspective. And then you decide, and you can still invest on your own. That's, that's perfectly Okay. Right, uh, and the right. difference between angel investing so there's angel investing when you do it just as an individual and that's right, a right. that's a crapshoot i mean you just <laughs> you got uh, you like the person you like the project and you just invest so that's a that's the reason right. when you do it at the next level you do it in a fund or group of people with uh, kind of an angel uh, group and that gives us a little more more sophistication but still you're investing as a it's still an early investment early stage you're not getting the professional um, uh, investment perspective that you might get from a regular startup fund or a separate mm-hmm. fund that where they have a staff of people and they have it's a larger fund for example suppose there's a 50 million dollar fund working on startups they have the resources to do much more due diligence Right. And they're not investing fifty thousand hundred thousand they're investing a million dollars, two million right and they have much more leverage in the company and they have much more insight into the company. so that's kind of the next level. so your returns may not be two x, three x it might just be 20 thirty uh, percent uh, rate of return per year, but that's what you're giving up for a little more security, so it's a little more uh, uh, lower reward, higher uh, low risk, low reward at the fund level right and then can do your real estate, which is even lower risk, lower. uh. So I think you have to really establish uh, kind of your own portfolio of your risk reward uh, spectrum. Mm -hmm. And then the angel investing really comes down to that uh, high risk, high reward, but there's a little more of a personal interest in it. And that's why you do it, Uh, even Yeah, you might like the company, you might like to stay involved with the business. And that's what you like. If you're investing in a large fund or something, you have no idea what's going on. If it does well, you're happy. If it doesn't, there's nothing you could have done about it anyway.
0: Right, right. No, and I I think just sticking with the lower end of the uh, spectrum. So I guess higher risk return uh, profile uh, for investments. I think the distinction between just individually angel investing and investing with a fund where you are an active member, where you're you're Mm -hmm. participating, or at least you know the players who are participating and you can uh, stay in touch with it with monthly, quarterly updates. with that, there are so many different dynamics I mean just talking specifically about Thai where we 're both members um, and uh, we 've both worked on deals um, when you are individually investing you know if you 're writing those ten to twenty five thousand dollar checks you can only invest in so many companies right, exactly. with a fund, you know, even if it's a million or $2 million now, you know, you're a small fraction of that fund, but you're still spreading out over so right. many more companies. So you're still right. reducing your risk. Tremendously. Sure.
1: The diversification is huge. Uh, suppose I had a uh, $50,000 to invest. I might be able to invest in uh, 10 companies now mm, versus yep. if I was just doing it on my own, it might be one or two companies.
0: Right. Exactly. And even
1: then it would be such a small investment that, I really wouldn't have leverage at the, at the company. If I asked for an update, I probably won't get it. Right. But now if the fund asks for an update, they will get it.
0: Right. Exactly. And, yeah. and fun. You're, you're absolutely right. That as you move up those, those dollar amounts, you, you can become an advisor. You can have a board right. seat in the company. Uh, you might even have other branches into the company where you, you're talking to the CFOs or the marketing person. So you can get a lot more insight as you move up that scale.
1: And uh, it also gives, it's kind of the best of both worlds. Uh, so, for example, now the type fund we have, if there's a company that, suppose we decide to invest as a group, and I'm really excited about the company, I mean, I, I could be nominated as a person to kind of be the point of contact. Mm-hmm. So I could essentially be involved with the founders, be involved with the company, help its growth. So all the things that I would have done if I were just an individual angel investor, I could do that as part of the fund now
0: right now so you're you much more hands-on yeah and, and being and now since you there is a fund behind you you have that much clout going into the company also exactly
1: yeah right and in some ways an excuse too if there's something you don't want to do say hey my fund people said i can't do that
0: <laughs> right 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 it's always a good excuse to use yeah. that oh, my board won't allow me to do that exactly <laughs> Um, so let's, let's talk about how you actually find these investments. Cause a lot of new investors, new angels, um, they sort of struggle with finding good opportunities. And when they find one entrepreneur that they like, they feel like they have to go with him and give him a check because they really don't can't see all of the other opportunities that are out there. How do you get your deal flow? So obviously Ty, you know, is right. helpful in that. But let's talk about your network and how you sort of source the, and by the way, Ty this year has a fund, but until now mm-hmm. uh, you guys were investing individually. So right. um, let's talk about a little bit about how you sort of use that network and how you so source the,
1: those deals. The Ty network itself is a has been a large source of uh, kind of introduction to these companies, whether it's in the SoCal network or uh, the global network. Yep. Just by getting to know these companies that might come to say the Thai conferences that kind of happen in, in uh, Silicon Valley every year. So you have uh, the top 50 companies that get picked to come and pitch. So you have the fast 50. Those companies are usually, they're decent targets to, uh, to get further into and from an investment perspective. And they're all at that early level, kind Mm -hmm. of a pre-seed, five million uh, valuation, kind of three to five million valuation. So that's an interesting group of companies. And they've essentially competed among. uh, um, They had they have several hundred uh, applicants, and they pick fifty to come and pitch there. And you have uh, there's plenty of diversity in terms of the industry they're in. Some might be in AI, some might be in retail. So you can actually Look at a company or look at a, a few companies in a specific industry that you're uh, interested in. If there's something on import export that I know nothing about or I'm not interested, I can pass on it versus something and say healthcare tech that I like,
0: right, that I know right. a
1: little bit more about. Or I decide that's so at least I can add some value or make a more intelligent decision on. So the Thai network is an extremely good network for that for me personally. Other than that, it's more of uh, our friends are involved with other networks. If they decide there's a company that uh, uh, they they're planning to invest in or they see, uh, they'll let me let me know, and then it's up to me to decide if uh, I want to participate or not. But uh, right now, I'm focusing most of my angel investing through the fund itself because, like I said, I do get the best of both. I can help the companies as well as get the diversification here.
0: Right, right. Since both of us are members of Thai, this almost is becoming mm-hmm. a sort of an ad yeah. for Thai, which, which is a great organization. So there's nothing wrong with that, right? Uh, so t- let let's uh, go back and uh, since you uh, you've been doing investing in so long, let's let's talk about your portfolio a little bit because uh, uh, I, I've sort of asked you a couple of questions here and there, but yeah. I really want to understand what kind of companies you have invested in in the past. Uh-huh. So
1: the, the two or three companies that I invested in early on when uh, I wouldn't call myself uh, the term angel investing, I guess, wasn't even around at
0: that time. <laughs> right.
1: It was more after my guidance days when uh, we had exited the business and stuff. So I invested in including this uh, America Schools program. Uh, they were struggling, so I invested some money into that right. and uh, took a leadership role in the business as well. So that was more of a, out of passion of the business uh, for the individuals, and those, I think it was more because it was an emotional and again lack of diversification. Right, you're investing in two or three companies, and the odds are they're not going to work. Right. So out of those two or three companies, none of them actually made it. The the public school company uh, went totally bust. The other uh, uh, one company they that's still struggling. It's still it's still in play, but I don't think my equity is worth much in that company. And uh, a couple of other companies that I invested uh, since then, and again, partially more uh, because I got a little more educated into the angel investing. I saw more deals and uh, part of the Thai network as well. Those have at least increased in value on paper. Mm. So they've gone 2x, 4x, at least on paper, they haven't monetarily returned uh, uh, haven't got an exit from those yet. But at least that's a, a feel good thing that they've gone up four times in value, at least, one or six right. times.
0: Or at least they're still around. <laughs> still around they're doing well. Right. And, uh,
1: they're, they're raising additional funds at a higher value. So you know your equity's worth more.
0: That's great.
1: When that translates into an exit, that's a different story.
0: <laughs> right.
1: <laughs> but, but that's a risk you take with these early stage companies. You're right. not investing at a Series B or an IPO level company.
0: Right. I think that's another very important lesson that a lot of angels can learn. Um, that is, you know, when you invest in the, the you know, most people invest in the stock market and stock mm-hmm. market, you can invest on a Monday and, uh, sell that investment on a Wednesday. And maybe you made a little bit of money, maybe, right. maybe you didn't. Um, so your commitment isn't really that long. You might choose right. to stay in the in a investment for six months, a year, or five years, mm-hmm. whatever. But, you you have the option to pull out whenever you right. want in these kinds of investments that's not the case these are not liquid right. investments so once right. you're in you're married and now it's mm-hmm. a 5 7 10 year maybe more commitment with that company with that and you have no control and you're <laughs> right <laughs>
1: it's uh, in some other instances where the liquidity is low there's a possibility of doing something about it right. maybe you can exit at a lower value or something here you're pretty much you invested and now just wait.
0: <laughs> you're on the roller coaster. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> no, absolutely, and, and uh, I think that that is usually the hardest lesson for an entrepreneur to uh, for an investor yeah. to learn, right? That yeah. you, you have no control. You have uh, no sort of uh, you you can't control that ride at all. <laughs>
1: right. Yeah, and again that that adds uh, again uh, a rationale to invest in a group or group of people Um, so as a group of people as a group angel group or a fund that gives you that diversification where you're investing in a larger number of companies right with the hope that again you're not going to get a 10x on your investment you're going to get maybe a two or three x because of the diversification but that's what happens yeah
0: Right. And with a fund, I think the other benefit is that, um, you know, in a series A or maybe not A, but maybe B or C, uh, you have enough cloud to say, okay, we'll sell our shares. And maybe you can get an earlier exit. That way you're not necessarily waiting for the IPO or the M&A event.
1: Yeah. And that makes sense. I mean, if you can go from a series A to a series B and you say quadrupled your money or something, or even a 2X or 3X and you exit, that's okay. Or exit part of it. So right. half your state or something and then at least you return investors money.
0: Yep, exactly. At least you return the principal and now you have the right. equity to sort of ride that profit. Right. Very interesting. So Obviously, there's a lot going on in the world uh, this year, 2020. uh, And uh, obviously, with the pandemic uh, going on, there are some companies that have benefited, some haven't. So what has your experience been like this year? Because this year, it's like all rules are thrown out the window. (laughs) You know, we're starting over. In
1: in some ways, whenever there's a crisis like this, I mean, this crisis is different compared to many other uh, events. But whenever there's a downturn in the economy or, uh, or some particular industry sector is getting hit for whatever reason, lots of the fluff in the industry goes away. Mm. In fact, uh, when we were running our business guidance back in the software, one, uh, the dot-com glory days, I mean, I hate to say it, but we had 200 people, but not all 200 were uh, uh, at the top of their game because right. we couldn't find good people. And so we just have to hire kind of the second uh, tier uh, uh, candidates because we just couldn't find anyone else. So as a result, when uh, there's a difficult time, those are the people you cut back on first, the people who kind of are your second tier and you try to keep your best people. Mm -hmm. So in that sense, just like that in a crisis, uh, say in the COVID situation, some of the companies that are stronger will survive. Mm -hmm. So companies that were more uh, fluff and lots of just talk they will just die. So essentially the companies that are left over are the ones that are, that maybe they're still struggling because of the economy, but they're the ones that were stronger to start with. And also they're the ones that are going to survive later on. So essentially you've gotten a natural filter.
0: Fantastic. That's a, such a great way to look at it, that uh, this is, you know, we can uh, benefit from this and maybe benefit yeah. is too uh, too big of a word, but at least we can see um, we can, uh, you know, as you said, we can cut out the fluff and we can focus on the right. uh, yeah. on, on companies and people that are really adding value.
1: And also, it's a possibility that uh, because of the situation, the valuation you might get might be a little bit better. Mm. Um, but it, I mean, it also means that the company is also is going to struggle a little bit. Whatever uh, projections they had for 2020 might go down to maybe a year or two from now and the economy is struggling so the amount of sales or profit is going to be lower as well so in that sense uh, that kind of is the rationale for a lower valuation but again you're uh, you've got a better chance of success assuming right. that the retraction or the uh, uh, whatever happened is is temporary it's not going to last forever
0: right so let's talk about valuation a little bit more because i think that's mm-hmm. a really interesting challenge that a lot of people are Uh, struggling with right now. Um, Some companies' valuations have crater because, you know, the demand has disappeared. They're they're not able to close the contracts that they had. But on the other hand, some companies have sort of skyrocketed. You know, if you had telehealth anywhere in your (laughs) business plan, you know, you're you're sort of, you can charge 10x Mm -hmm. now because that that industry is booming. Um, So, Beyond just actually looking at the numbers and seeing how many, uh, how much revenue a company has or how much uh, mm-hmm. um, uh, traction they're able to get, do you give that kind of uh, benefit to any particular company just because of the market environment?
1: The, the valuation of, especially in the startup environment, has nothing to do with the numbers. I mean, yeah, the, uh, a founder might say that a... My next year revenue is going to be so much, I want a 10x multiple on that. But it's completely dependent on what someone's willing to invest at. It's a matter of uh, supply and demand. Suppose a, uh, a company says I'm worth 20 million and uh, they can only raise uh, money at a 5 million value. That's the value of the company, 5 million. Right. It's not 20. <laughs> it doesn't right. matter what the person says it is. At the same, t- same time, the company might only be worth one but people are saying, I'm willing to invest at five. So it's really a supply and demand situation. Mm -hmm. And if you get one investor to jump up to a certain valuation, others will kind of follow. So suppose a company is raising, say, 3 million, and one person or one group commits to 1 million at a certain value, then it's like everybody else is just gonna tag along. And the justification for that valuation might be completely different for that particular individual. They might have a strategic fit for some reason. It might be, uh, they might be looking at buying that company later on. So the rationale for a certain valuation is so personal, and there's a supply and demand situation. So it's a matter of uh, how much money you're going to invest, if you're going to take a significant share, then you can drive that valuation. But most of us at the angel investing level, we're not taking a significant share in the company, so we just have to tag along. And either we're comfortable or not comfortable. That's kind of the decision. We, we're not going to be able to change the terms.
0: Right. right. That, that's such an important lesson for the entrepreneur also, because uh, they, they come in with something in their mind and they're like, well, you know, I'm a telehealth. Of course I can charge 10 million. Yeah, exactly, uh, yeah. Uh, and uh, they also have to recognize that, okay, well, there might be 20 other companies that are also mm-hmm. pitching the same business plan. So your valuation naturally also goes down. Also,
1: the the technology or what's the uh, uh, the technology or the, whatever is the buzzword of the year, that changes every year. Right. So this is telehealth. Next year it could be well it could be something else it could be space or something right <laughs> right I mean, there were years when the mobile was like the hottest thing social media was the hottest thing right now you say you're a mobile or a social media company you're like what
0: <laughs> <laughs> why <laughs> right
1: <laughs> so it's uh that's another thing you should try not to get into the uh, sucked in by the the buzz of the year
0: right and yeah uh, the, and you, you Also, if you're an entrepreneur and you're starting with something like that in mind, then you're already way behind the eight ball. Because if you're starting yeah. a telehealth today, that by the time you're ready for funding, we might have moved right. on to some other buzzword. So, uh, yeah, it's
1: almost like these companies have to hit that right junction, kind of the right place, right time. Mm-hmm. At the right time. They might, these telehealth companies might have been working on this for the last five years, but now it just just happened. Exactly. And everyone calls themselves AI ML companies nowadays, but that's again it just it's something they were always doing. It, they're just calling that them right now, with the hope that that's going to lead to some investment change or something.
0: Right. The, to me, the AI ML thing is uh, is yeah. sort of the five years ago. If you started your company five years ago, you automatically wanted to include the word AI in there because right. that, that was the buzzword back then. And now right. you're just trying to ju- uh, sort of milk it for that, uh, yeah. that function. And,
1: and even then there was nothing really AI or ML about anything, that's <laughs> what they were doing anyway. Right. And they're just calling it AI now. Right. But the, what, what really has changed is there are more tools to support that kind of, uh, for example, uh, suppose you wanted to add a speech recognition chat box into your uh, software. You don't need to build it anymore, it's there. It's right. So, in that sense, uh, uh, many of those technologies, many of those buzzwords have led to certain modularized uh, technologies that can just be adopted, with, uh, which would have taken a lot of work to have done before. But right. Now it's much easier. So, if you want to do a, some sort of vision app or integrate video, or integrate chat, that's super easy now.
0: Right. A lot of these building blocks are now available. So now okay. it's plug and play. Um, so you yeah. really can't build a company just based on that mm-hmm. one functionality. Exactly, now it's yeah. like, what are you doing with that functionality? That's the question. Right. Absolutely. Fantastic. So uh, this has been such a great interview and uh, I I, I could probably talk to you for days about this stuff, about angel investing. Uh, But uh, I want to end with uh, sort of the standard question, the action step question that I ask every investor. What can the entrepreneur do today to increase their chances of getting an investment from you? What do you look for in uh, startups, in uh, companies?
1: My question usually when I'm trying to invest is why should I not invest first? Mm. And if all those things can be uh, addressed in some way, then I've moved to the thing of why I should invest. Rather than my, say five years ago, I'd I'd find every reason to invest in a company (laughs) and not the reasons not to invest. Right. And that kind of gives you a better filter. So in my mind, uh, it's what would a company What would it take to build that product or that service now? So suppose a company has built, say, some software or something. They've spent five years doing it. And, yeah, they made some mistakes, but they've got to a certain point, and it's it's working now. What would it take to build something like that? If I had to raise some money and build that myself, what would it take for me to get to where they are? And if it's uh, something that a company can – if they come and tell me that, hey, it took us five years and $3 million to build, but, it, but, now, but now that we've done it, someone could build it with 500000 then it's, uh, right. it's not, because it's like I could do it, right? Right. So it's really what's, what's different about them, what kind of moat have they built, what kind of technology uh, uh, advance they have compared to anyone else. If they can look at those things, that, uh, it, that's basically a turn on for me. And then, of course, the founders and all that have to, uh, uh, have to sync up. But if they really have something that they're leaps and bounds ahead of someone else, and it's going to take someone a lot of money and a lot of time to, to duplicate, then that's worth investing into.
0: Right. That's, that's so good. Um, that uh, it, fi- focusing on why not to invest and why, mm-hmm. like wh- what you can, how easily you can replicate their product. I think is such, it's a, key such a key thing, key thing, thing that thing. Uh, a lot of entrepreneurs don't even think about. Mm-hmm. Right? It, it, mm-hmm. So I love that. That's fantastic. Um, so Vijay, thank you so much for sure. coming on today uh, and sharing all of your uh, lessons with us. Uh, any last okay. words?
1: No, great. Uh, Love what you guys are doing. Uh, Good luck with uh, this and love to see your other interviews and your other uh, uh, companies that you're working with. Absolutely.
0: Absolutely. I'll definitely keep you posted. And in any way, we we talk at least three to four times a week, anyway. So (laughs) we'll we'll definitely be in touch and uh, uh, I'll keep you posted on the progress. Thank you. All
1: right. Take care. Bye bye.
0: That was a fantastic interview. Again, I want to thank Vijay for coming on today and doing the interview with us and sharing his experience and his knowledge. Um, And there's a ton to learn from him. Um, Having said that, um, if you enjoyed the interview and if you enjoy content like this, make sure you click the subscribe button. Uh, So this way you get our content as soon as it comes out. If you're an investor, once again, if you're looking to learn how to be an investor or an angel investor already, and are looking to uh, uh, get resources, get connected to uh, companies in our uh, system, uh, make sure you send us an email. Uh, uh, My email address is on screen. It's also in the description below. Um, Send us your contact information and we'll... We'll be in touch we'll uh, we'll get you added to our platform and uh, hopefully help you start becoming a better investor if you are a entrepreneur and are use uh, are, and are looking to raise capital for your startup um, go to startupsteroid.com dot com and uh, click on the founder button there. Um, fill out the form and this way we can get you added to our database and uh, uh, start sharing your information with our network. Thank you again for joining us today. Make sure you hit subscribe and we'll see you next time. Bye.